Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Hey folks, today is Tuesday, January 25th, 2022, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. The autopsy on Lauren Smithfields has been released, but it's raising more questions than answers. We'll talk with the family attorney, Donnell Crossland, about that particular uh, autopsy. Also, Senator Cory Booker joins us. We talk voting rights. We talk George Floyd Justice Act. We talk also what must Democrats do to talk to African Americans about things that they have gotten done with them being in control. We will hear from him as well. Also on uh, today's show, uh, we'll take a look at the federal trial of three of the cops who are on trial for violating the civil rights of George Floyd. With a live report from reporter Georgia Fort, who is covering the case. Uh, also, a family is suing an Ohio school district after their child was uh, forced to eat food taken out of the garbage. A crazy-ass white woman from Virginia who threatened to bring guns to school because of the mask mandate, well, she's now been charged. And I was on the Dan Bongino radio show today, y'all, and uh, he just thought he was a little cute in terms of interviewing me and his followers are like, oh, he, oh my goodness, he just rolled over you. I'm gonna break down for y'all how the right wing tries to play the game. You'll see the difference between when a pro, yours truly, goes up against an amateur and Don Bongino who doesn't fall for any 
of their silly little, little tricks. Also, America's wealth coach Deborah Owens will stop by to talk about what's happening on Wall Street and the volatility there, plus talk about her new show, uh, launching of the Black Star Network on January 31st. And in our Marketplace segment, uh, sponsored by Verizon, the owner of Ship Black will explain what it means to own a black shipping company. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Folks, the autopsy report has been released uh, describing uh, what killed a 23-year-old Lauren Smith Fields. She is the Bridgeport, Connecticut woman, of course, who was found dead more than a month ago in her apartment. Now, the Connecticut medical examiner says Lauren died from acute intoxication due to the combined effects of fentanyl, uh, promethazine, uh, hydroxine, as well as alcohol, ruling her, de ruling her death an accident. Okay, so it raises the questions. Where did those drugs come from? How did those drugs get into her system? And the man who was with her, did he bring them? What was his involvement? Darnell Crossland is a family attorney. He joins us now from Bridgeport. Darnell, glad to have you back. So, so they lay out the autopsy report. Okay, got it. But more questions than answers. That's exactly the way we are feeling right now, um, Roland. So it's been a roller coaster since yesterday. This family has been calling on a proper investigation from the moment their daughter died, right? We didn't get that. The man that was last with her before she died wasn't questioned. He was just let go. Now, the ME released a report yesterday that says all these foreign substances were in her body when she doesn't use drugs. She's 23 and super healthy. And we're looking now at the ME's report saying, okay, the question isn't what was in her body. How did it get there? That's the question. And when you have fentanyl, for one, and then the other items that were found in her body are commonly associated with date rape drugs, the question still is, if they didn't question this man, if they didn't do any trace evidence from this man's fingers, body, clothes, then we're almost further away from where we should be than we were before she died. And so we're asking this police department to step aside, to allow the team to come in that's going to do the job. And God is good. We had uh, Animal Sunshine today because there was an announcement made that this is now shifted into a criminal investigation. But as you said on your show last week, it's one thing to call it a criminal investigation, but it's another thing to be able to prove up the crimes when they've messed up the scene so badly. So the question is, how, do we, how are we successful in this criminal investigation 
when they botched up the investigation from day one. Okay, so you said some of the drugs found uh, are, are associated with date rate drugs. Explain that. Yeah, so all the experts that I've been speaking to for the last day or so, 24 hours, have made it clear that some of the stuff like promethazine are often found in drugs that people drop in your drink, these uh, drugs that you see at, at clubs and, and so forth and so on. Uh, so when the scene at the time of her death consists of a condom with semen in it, a pill that's laying on the kitchen counter, um, lube, and then blood on her, her bed sheets, and they don't look at this man as a person of interest, that gives this man an opportunity to cover his tracks and keep moving. Now, I have to point out this is very important. Um, the uh, medical examiner concluded that this was an accident. And that, to me, in my experience, is another systemic way that black people are disenfranchised and treated differently. And that's why we can't get the results that we want in terms of justice. I've had the same exact case as this some years ago. The doctor involved was a doctor named Dr. Rubin. He's a plastic surgeon out of Greenwich. He's flying in from uh, uh, Nantucket on his private jet. He calls my client, who's a minority, and says, hey, let's party. He has cocaine. My client has heroin. They both party. The, the doctor ends up dying, foaming at the mouth. What happens then here in Connecticut is that they arrest my client and charge him with manslaughter. They also charge him with 21A statute, which is a drug statute. That statute says when you transfer drugs to another person, even if it's not for profit, that's a sale under the law. So they charge my guy, my client, with a 15-year felony for a sale charge because he gave the drugs to Dr. Rubin. And they charge him with manslaughter because he died. In the case with Lawrence Smith Fields, if this gentleman brought those drugs to the scene, then that's a transfer and that's a sale. If she died as a result of that, that's manslaughter. But here's the thing. The medical examiner in, in, the, in the case where the white guy dies and is a minority that's with him, they put in the medical examiner's report, death by toxicity, which meant, when I called up there, it meant just the mixing of the two drugs. In Norman's case, instead of putting death by toxicity, they want to give this guy yet another damn way out, and they put death by accident. And I'm totally upset with that, and excuse me if I'm passionate about it, but enough is enough already. These little systemic ways where they treat us differently and they give themselves a pass has to stop. So we're happy that they're now making this a criminal investigation, but there's so much more work to be done. And we have way more questions today than we had yesterday. You made the point about a pill being found on the table and then a used condom with semen in it. Those two items were not, just want to make sure, they were not, they were not found, nor were they recovered by the police. That was when the family was allowed into the apartment, correct? That's correct. So that particular yep. pill, have y'all had that pill tested? That's, that's the question that I, I, a conversation I had with the mayor. So the mayor called my cell phone yesterday. He's always had my number. The mayor called my cell phone yesterday. I was in court and I got out of court. Um, I, I, I reviewed a couple of things that were before me in terms of the ME's finding. Today, the, the mayor's office uh, and myself, we had a long conversation on the phone. And I told him the police department 
collected a, a sheet with blood in it. They collected a pill, a condom with semen in it, and uh, lube. And they collected it two weeks after she died, only because we gave it to them. We said, "Hey, come and take this stuff." So, so, and so, so, hold, 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 hold. so the police actually did not collect it when they discovered her body. So those items were in that apartment for two weeks. You and the family go into the apartment, y'all collect that, and you then turn that over to the police. What we did, we took pictures of it. We didn't touch anything. We preserved it. We called them in and told them, look, this, look, look what's here. And then they collected it themselves and had the nerves then to say to the family, anything else we should take? And when, when, when that happened, I'm so enraged because they're the professionals. They should have, from the day one, quarantined the area, and they should know what they're looking for. Now that we find out that fentanyl was in her body, um, we know that a couple weeks ago, at a white school, some kids died of fentanyl. And when the, when the uh, authorities arrived, they treated the entire school as a hazmat area. They told the teachers, lock in your room and don't come out, even though the fentanyl was in a, some isolated area. The reason why is because fentanyl is so dangerous and it can get in the air. You think the police would have came to Lauren Smith Fields' home when she was reported dead, checked her eyes, her pupils, and tried to determine whether, in fact, it was a drug overdose at that point? Typically, the respond responding teams come out with, with um, Narcan because if somebody's overdosing, they can off render assistance. It's important for you to remember this uh, also, Roland. Uh, now that we find out that, that these drugs were involved, highly potent, dangerous drugs, look at the incident report. This gentleman, Matthew LaFontaine, reports that Lauren looked sick and got sick, but he kept drinking with her. Then he says he lifted her up and carried her to her room. Now, Lauren is not that type that needs to be carried. She doesn't use drugs like that. So whatever went on that night, around 12 o'clock or so, he had to carry her to her room put her in the bed, and then he claims around 3 o'clock she looked like she was sleeping. And at some point during that time, she started bleeding from her nose. My suspicion is that she was under distress from the time he had to carry her to her room. So in Connecticut, if you cause somebody to be in peril, you have a duty to render assistance. I think that she was dying from the time he carried her in her room, and she started bleeding out. Her, her blood vessels were bursting. This woman exploded. And based on the expert uh, that I've been speaking to for the last two days, they explain how fentanyl causes this explosion inside you. So he probably carried her into that room while she was dying, left her there. And remember when he called the 911? It was 6.30 in the morning. So she probably was in distress from 12 o'clock at night, and he's sitting there figuring out what to do while she's dying. Wow. And that's my suspicion. If he's innocent, he's innocent. But that's what we suspect. Darnell Crossland, uh, again, so many more questions than answers. Uh, and again, the problem that we have here, um, because y'all discovered it, took pictures, and then they came two weeks later, literally, if this even went to uh, trial, the defense attorney could claim uh, that anybody could have walked into that apartment uh, in, in that two-week time period, and typically that evidence likely gets dismissed and not allowed into uh, the case. That's exactly true. And uh, if your show permits, we found um, a white lady called us up who grew up with the family. She stated today that she felt so bad because she knew that Lauren didn't have a chance because this guy was the one that was with her. 
She stated that he's very close with the higher-ups at the police department. She knows all of them. She knows him, and she knows his family. And I mentioned, I said, hey, you know what? You got to go to Roland Martin. And, um, and she said she's open to coming on the show. And so she's a white woman that grew up in that same neighborhood that knows how this whole thing works. And she, she gave us names, rank numbers, serial numbers, and said that they're basically brothers and they grew up together. And so, again, we're going to be asking for a phone dump from Detective Cronin, who was involved at this scene, to see if there was any calls between him and, um, and this gentleman. And also, the higher-ups, we got their names, too, from this woman. And uh, she's, she's on our witness list uh, as we do our own investigation. But she said she'd be willing to talk to you. And so uh, the, the, this, story, this story is just breaking and is getting more and more and more important that we follow it now than ever. All right, then. Attorney Don Donnell Crossland, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me. All right, then. Let's go to Minneapolis, folks, where there were three men on trial, federal trial, uh, for the death of George Floyd. Uh, they are in a federal courtroom facing a violation of his civil rights. Uh, let's go now to jo reporter Georgia Fort. She has been covering this case. Georgia, glad to have you back at Roller Martin Unfiltered. Exactly what took place uh, today at the beginning of this trial? Uh, I think we can. Well, are you on mute, Georgia? Uh, Roland, there we go. Uh, it's great there we go. to be back. Uh, there's been about four witnesses so far that have been called. It's been an intense two days of this trial already. The judge has ruled to not allow Courtney Ross, who is the girlfriend of George Floyd, into the courtroom after she spoke to the press yesterday afternoon. Now, this was something that the public information officer with the federal courts said was going to be permitted. And we even saw a motion from Earl Gray. You may remember him. He represented um, Kimberly Potter in the Potter trial. He's now representing Thomas Lane here in this federal trial. And he also made a motion to have George Floyd's brother and nephew removed from the court. So very tense uh, first two days. We've heard from Charles. This, this, so, this sounds like the Ahmaud Arbery case where the attorneys wanted Reverend Jackson and others not to be be in the courtroom. That's right. And even when you look at the uh, racial makeup of this jury, you have uh, two Asians, one male, one female, and the rest are white men and women. Um, and so there are concerns because there are no cameras in the courtroom. The media is allowed to sit in an overflow room, but the general public really not having access to the court's proceedings. We've already seen protesting happening outside of the courtroom, but one thing I do want to detail in terms of the evidence that's already been presented, we're seeing footage that was not unveiled during the Chauvin trial. There have been um, clips from especially King's body camera footage, Alexander King, uh, one of the responding officers who's charged that we was that, that was never played as evidence in in Chauvin's um, trial, and so we're getting a first look at some of this footage. And of course, the defense is trying to argue here in the case of the two rookie officers that um, they did try to check the pulse of George Floyd. But what the prosecution is saying is that they never intervened, they never said anything, and so what will be doing is following this trial to find out whether or not the jury will find them responsible for violating George Floyd's civil rights in this case. Um, it is uh, certainly something that we're watching. And for people to realize there, there are no cameras in federal courtrooms. So uh, that's, um, you know, all across the country.
Uh, and so, which for me, I think is BS. Uh, the public should be able to see what goes on uh, in these courtrooms. Uh, but uh, we'll certainly uh, be watching this. Georgia, uh, thanks for the report. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. All right, folks, I want to bring up my uh, panel now. Mustafa Santago Ali, of course, former senior advisor for environmental justice at the EPA. Xavier Pope, he is the host of Suit Up, news owner, also the Pope Law Firm, and glad to have uh, both of them with us. So um, let's just talk about first this uh, uh, Lauren Smith uh, Fields uh, case. Uh, Xavier, strange, absolutely mind-boggling. The big question is, if there's a sex, potential sex crime, why aren't you collecting evidence that related to her having sex potentially with a potential suspect? Um, the, why would the family have to collect evidence here um, and then have to turn it over to the police? And how thorough was that investigation? The second thing is, Roland, is what was, what was the timeline in terms of this gentleman and her and who is he that there is a nature of protectionism around who he was? Initially, reports were saying that his name won't be displayed. Uh, who is he? And who is this gentleman? And, and where is the bias potentially at Matthew LaFontaine? And, and why would there would be any particular um, uh, questions surrounding who he is and how he's reported and the nature of what's happened here. Uh, to have the, the coroner in this case say that it's an accident, when we don't really know exactly how she ingested the different drugs that related to her losing her life, it's, it, it's, it's hard to accept. And it brings more questions than answers. And I think that family is right to continue to pursue what happened to the, the fullest possible extent. Um, what's so strange, Mustafa, as we look at this particular, um, as we look at this particular uh, case here, um, is again uh, how shoddy the work of the Bridgeport Connecticut Police Department. Yesterday, we had the President Pro Tem, the City Council, on saying they're they're going to ask for state investigators to step in and lead this investigation. Uh, and um, it's just, and then how do you not collect evidence at the scene? when you're called out and her body is discovered? Well, we know that when it comes to black women, there's always a dehumanization that is there. That in many instances, and there are the studies that are out there that show that the police only solve about 50% of murder cases. But when it comes to our communities, that number drops to about 22%. Um, so sometimes we know that there is not the same focus, uh, the level of attention that's given to when we lose our lives in that situation. And unfortunately, the biases don't stop there because also, as was shared with us, when we look at the medical examiner, the American uh, Journal of Public Health in 2015 actually put out a study that talked about the biases that exist um, in that particular field and a number of the other medical fields um, where you know folks will not give the same level of attention and detail uh, when they're doing their overall analyses after somebody's lost their life. Um, so we see the biases inside that's built inside the system that then gives us a better understanding of why folks aren't doing their jobs to the same level that they would often do them for other communities. Yeah, uh, again, we've been uh, just, just, just looking at this uh, over and over and over again. It just really makes no sense whatsoever. 
uh, to see uh, what, you know, how they are conducting this investigation. And so this family certainly uh, needs some real answers uh, when it comes to uh, what actually took place. All right, folks, got to go to a break. We come back. Uh, my interview with Senator uh, Cory Booker of New Jersey. We talk about George Floyd Justice Act. We talk about, uh, of course, voting and some other issues. You don't want to miss that. That is next on Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Don't you think it's time to get wealthy? I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show on the Black Star Network focuses on the things your financial advisor or bank isn't telling you. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. The Mississippi Bureau of Investigation has issued a uh, silver alert for 47-year-old Monique Green of Hines County. She is described as a black female, five feet, five, 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 feet, five inches tall, weighing uh, 170 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. She was last seen on Tuesday, January 18th, wearing a blue and black jacket, gray pants, and gray boots. Family members say Monique Green suffers from a medical condition that may impair her judgment. If anyone has information regarding the whereabouts of Monique Green, please contact the Hines County Sheriff's Office at 601-352-1521, 601-352-1521. Last week, we showed you uh, the floor speech of Senator uh, Cory Booker of New Jersey uh, as he was livid, frankly, after listening uh, to uh, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott uh, doing the uh, contentious discussions over voting rights. Well, today he and I got a chance to talk. We talked about uh, that particular bill. We also talked about uh, what's going on with the George Floyd Justice Act, what happened, why nothing happened there, and how should Democrats, what should they be saying to African Americans about what they have gotten done as opposed to the criticism, what they have not gotten done. Here's our conversation. All right, Senator Cory Booker, let's jump right into this thing. A lot of black people are frustrated. They're frustrated about Build Back Better. They're frustrated about uh, the lack of voting bills. They're frustrated about the George Floyd Justice Act. 
Uh, we got midterm elections coming up, critical races, Florida, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Ohio, Kentucky, uh, Pennsylvania, um, and, and, and others. What, what do you say to African-Americans who are frustrated, who say, we went out and voted in 2020, gave Dems the majority, nothing to show forward? How do you respond to that? Well, two things. I, 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 let's get to the frustration in a moment, because I think that as African-Americans, you always have to be demanding of this nation uh, to fulfill its, uh, what I think is the vision for this country, which is to be a truly inclusive, multicultural democracy. Before we get to the frustrations, let's talk about why Biden has been, I've served now under three presidents, he's been one of the more extraordinary leaders uh, when it comes to issues for the African-American community. And I'll start with, as soon as Warnock was elected, uh, he's a friend of mine, we reached out to the White House uh, about the situation of black farmers in America, boom. Uh, President Biden included that agenda in the American Recovery Plan, targeting the support to uh, African-American farmers. We talked to him about environmental injustice, the number one indicator in America of whether you're breathing dirty air, drinking dirty water, or surrounded by dirty soil is the color of your skin, unfortunately. And boom, Biden jumped on top of that and incorporated a tremendous investment in everything from getting lead pipes out of the ground to cleaning up our air with the asthma rates we have in our communities. When black businesses in our country were on the brink and they weren't getting uh, the proportionate share of all of that uh, um, bailout money for businesses because blacks didn't have the banking relationships, boom, we worked with the White House and he made sure that minority development institutions were getting billions of dollars to help black small businesses. Uh, we know that we have the worst rates of maternal mortality when it comes to giving ch in childbirth and that black women are four times more likely uh, uh, to die in childbirth than white women. And boom, uh, President Biden, Kamala Harris adopted a, some bills that Kamala Harris and I had written with some great House leaders uh, back in the day into these, uh, uh, this recovery bill to help to uh, uh, deal with that, to close that gap and really invest in black women's maternal health care. So th the biggest one, of course, is the child tax credit. It's the biggest middle-class tax cut uh, in the history of our country, in addition to cutting poverty for children dramatically, including cutting black child poverty for the year that we had that child tax credit in half. So we, we know this is a president on issues from supporting HBCUs, the Department of Education, all the way uh, to uh, helping black entrepreneurs and black businesses that has amassed a record that you can't say this, this is a president who has not seen the black community, heard issues in our community, and found ways practically to invest and do something about it, including this infrastructure bill and making sure African-Americans are getting a fair shot and a proportionate shot at uh, business opportunities coming out of this White House. Now, the frustrations. Of course, as a guy who was negotiating uh, the George Floyd bill with Republicans, uh, we're disappointed we didn't get that over the line. We're not giving up. Number two, voting rights. Uh, I was on the Senate floor uh, uh, battling for that bill. We came up short. We didn't get it done. Yeah, we, we, we played your whole speech. What's that? We played your whole speech on the show. Well, I appreciate that, man. So I, I understand the frustrations on the things we haven't gotten done. This guy's been in office one year. And in terms of resources for black businesses, resources for black health care, resources uh, uh, to cut black child poverty, 
he's amassed a really solid record of achievement for our communities. And, and when I call the White House, shoot, sometimes he calls me or invites me up to the Oval Office to talk about uh, issues uh, that are facing disadvantaged communities. So I'm, I'm proud of him. He's gone to bat for us. We haven't bat a thousand, but, but we're going to keep on fighting. So here's what I think is, so what you just laid out, that needs to literally be a template uh, that is shared with your fellow senators, your House members, and frankly, the White House, because fundamentally it's a messaging problem. Look, yeah. I, I, look yesterday uh, on the show, um, I, I broke down, not granted, it was a 40-minute segment, but I broke down item by item the amount of money, the billions of dollars that have gone to HBCUs. Yeah. You got people who are, oh, they ain't done none of HBCUs. He promised all this stuff, nothing has happened. And I'm walking through the numbers and I'm going school by school by school. So it's like, yo, you can't sit here and claim what was not happening. And people were like, damn, bro, uh, you know, we know all of this. And so this is also part of the deal. They've got to do a much better job of articulating to folks of this because when you look at polling data, when I look at the people who are commenting during my show, when the people who are calling in, they're they, they saying, well, these things are not happening because they're looking at the major bills, voting bills in the George Floyd Justice Act, and then say black people haven't gotten anything. Like, I, I still get people saying the Asians got a hate crime bill, and I keep saying, no, they didn't. It wasn't just for them. No. I'm like, is their name not even on it? What the hell are you talking about? So you've got massive misinformation that's also going on in the black community. I, I cannot agree with you more. And I've had talks with major civil rights leaders about the same thing, about we, we, we have a record, but, but folks don't know about it. Look, if there was no HBCUs, there would be no me's. Uh, I'm here because we talked about this before it started. Fisk University, my mom, uh, uh, North Carolina Central, my dad, Arkansas Pine Bluff, <laughs> my, my grandmother, grandfather met there. So I, I, when I go and carry uh, HBCU uh, issues to the White House, they're with me, and sometimes they're ahead of me because I don't know if anybody knew this, but we are the first African-American woman vice president who every single day is, is out there advocating, working for our agenda. And yeah, the, the press loves, not you, but the press loves to focus on the cynicism, on the negativity, on what hasn't been done. But we have not celebrated uh, or had vehicles with which to celebrate the accomplishments that there are. I just was with uh, the governor of my state, and we were talking about the money to clean up Superfund sites and to get lead pipes out of the ground. We have, everybody talked about Flint, Michigan, there are over 3,000 jurisdictions in America where children had more than twice the blood lead levels uh, than uh, Flint, Michigan had for those kids. And guess what? Most of them were black and brown communities. And so this is a president that said once and for all, Let's get all, everywhere in the country, let's replace these lead pipes. That's audacity. Uh, that is a guy that's getting it done and delivering for us. So I'm going to, Roland, I'm going to be one of those people talking about this as, as, as long as I can. And when you're mad about the George Floyd bill not passing, if you're mad about the voting rights, please don't forget, we had 50 senators even on the voting rights. I know we have two that didn't want to overcome the filibuster, but the underlying bill, 50 senators were for it. 50 senators against it. Not one Republican, even though there's 16 Republicans still in the Senate that voted for it when it passed 98 to 0, the reauthorization. So, so let's direct our ire at the right targets here because Joe Biden is aligning with our ambition. And I tell you what, I can tell you this personally, 
in my personal conversations with him, he remembers those dark days going into South Carolina in a primary uh, before you started the, the Super Tuesday states all through the South. He knows that it was African-American voters that were particularly critical in the coalition he needed to get the nomination in the first place. Joe Biden hasn't forgotten our communities. So, so I got to ask you this here. Uh, I was um, I was somewhat critical um, when uh, the George Floyd Justice Act did not move forward. I saw Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina go on, meet the, face the nation, and, and, and lay out and say it was a bridge too far, what you and other Dems were doing. Uh, I thought, I thought, frankly, you went way too easy on him. But I don't know if you, you probably, you, I'm quite sure you're aware of this. And I have been asking Senator Tim Scott directly now for three months. I've been asking his staff. He accused you and Democrats of trying to defund the police by saying that if they don't pass measures, they won't get the funds. Yet Michael Harriet, when he wrote for The Root, actually did a piece last year where he laid out Senator Tim Scott's previous bill did the very same thing. In fact, one of his deputy chiefs of staff is on the record with a quote saying, this is the only way we can get this done. I've been asking Senator Scott, texting him for three months, saying, can you please explain to me the difference between what you accuse Senate Democrats of doing and your own language? It was the same thing. He will not respond. And so, I, 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 frankly, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I was simply of the belief that Republicans were never interested uh, in actually getting this bill done, that these police, that these other unions went along with it as well, and there was always one thing and another thing and another thing. What happened? Why so is it that we do not have a George Floyd justice bill? What happened? First of all, I'm just going to ignore and put aside the personal issue I have with the fact that you just talked about texting Tim Scott and you don't text me no more. I mean, the well, last now, now that I have your new number, see, I got your old number. <laughs> don't even start that. I got your old number that's now going to a staffer. See, don't, don't wish, go there. I see? wish I could show your viewers. Literally, I checked my cell phone right before the thing started. The last text I got from you, interestingly, January 6th, 1 p.m., right before, right before we got the Capitol got stormed, I didn't see a text here saying, hey, Corey, how are you, man? You okay? Because, see, you're going to go there. You're going to make me do it because your old number, one of your Senate staffers, it says, we're now monitoring this phone. So now I got now I got your number. It was no, so bad. I went to Ghana in 2019 and wiped out a bunch of phone numbers. It wiped out Rosario's number. Oh, I was trying to text her oh, to get your new number. See, I wasn't trying to go there. You're, you're treating me like, you know, you're like, new number, who this? <laughs> I wasn't trying to go there. And I, I DM her saying, yo, can you send me your number? I lost it because I ain't had your new number. But go ahead and answer my, my I'm going to ask you a question. I was a little, I apologize <laughs> to your viewers. I just had to get that off my chest because you used to, you used to vent to me. And even if I, you didn't like what I was doing, at least you came to me with it first. Right, um, and the need for you to wear some real pocket squares. But now I got your new number. <laughs> now you're gonna now you're gonna hear from a brother. All right, we'll see. We will see. I'll come back on here and talk about you if you don't text. Come me. on. <laughs> okay, so to your question is, look, uh, um, you said I was too easy on Tim Scott. The truth of the matter is, Tim Scott and I have partnered together and gotten things done, big things done. Uh, uh, this opportunity zone legislation, uh, uh, we wrote it under Obama together. We got it passed under Trump. It has brought billions of dollars of investment to low-income communities, including to HBCU. So we're, I'm not, not going to personalize things if he and I hit an impasse. 
But the truth of the matter is we hit an impasse. And it's very frustrating to me because uh, I know Tim Scott has been pulled over by police disproportionately, has stories as a United States senator. Um, but you cannot do a bill if it doesn't create real accountability. What is real accountability? And I've worked with police. I ran a police department as a mayor. You want to make sure that you have clear standards. There's certain things that should not happen in America anymore, like for a nonviolent drug offense, barging in somebody's house at 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, like they did with Breonna Taylor. There's certain standards we should not see, like with Eric Garner and those chokeholds. We should ban them. So you want to set standards. Number two is you've got to collect data. We still live in a country where officer-involved shootings are not reported to the federal level. So there's no transparency. A community doesn't necessarily know what's going on. And then there's got to be real consequences. When an officer breaks the law, violates fundamental constitutional rights, they cannot be above the law. Nobody can be. And so those were the must-haves for me. And, and we weren't meeting those uh, uh, at the middle there. And now, look, we're, I'm not giving up. And to be frank with you, I, I've, I've, I know Tim Scott has said the same thing publicly. And this Congress is not over. Uh, and I'm still having conversations and discussions uh, trying to move a, a, a bill forward. And, and, and even with the House of Representatives and my fellow uh, Congressional Black Caucus members. But, but what bothered me, Senator Booker, is that his most his most critical and potent accusations yeah. yes. was that Democrats were trying to take money back from police if, if certain things were not done. He literally, a year previously, his bill said the exact same thing. And, I, and I'm just saying, Senator Scott, how can you criticize Democrats for the very thing you wanted to do a year earlier? I said, it's on the record. Your own deputy chief of staff said it. No response. Now, mind you, he was texting me back and forth. Read the bill. You will see where it says this, this, this. When I asked him that question, all of a sudden, it's radio silence. I sent his staff. They would send me stuff back. Read this, read that. When I asked him that question, oh, it's like, uh, it's like, I can't, I, I, he won't even answer that. And again, I, it just bothers me because September 30th, I sent him the text. October 27th, on Wednesday, no answers. And I, so, for me, it's hypocritical to trash them saying y'all wanted to pull back funding if changes weren't made when that's literally the exact same thing he wanted to do a year earlier. And I'm saying, what changed? And I can't, I can't answer for him, man. You're going you're gonna to have to. I, I, I negotiated a bill that the FOP supported. This is the Fraternal Order of Police, the largest police union in our country. They represent the majority of police officers in America. We were able to come together on a bill, and and we could not get. And elements of that uh, were definitely uh, um, uh, uh, from the bill that Tim Scott originally put in as a parallel to the George Floyd bill, and we could not get it done. So he he's going to have to answer your questions when you talk to him. I t I tell you what I stand for. I've been consistent through this whole process, and I'm not giving up on getting something done. A last question for you. I know you have to go here. Uh, and, and that is um, Build Back Better didn't move forward. You can't get over the uh, the end of the filibuster, even for the carve-out for uh, voting rights. And then, of course, Manchin is all over the place even on that. There was a lot of things in that bill for HBCUs. And yeah. so what's now going to happen? The president has said we might have to break things up. 
Um, uh, you know, are we going to see multiple bills now being advanced? What's the framework? What does it look like? And what should African-Americans, those who are watching and listening, what should they be doing when it comes to their own two United States senators based upon where they live? Well, so th th this is my, and I don't want to make a prediction, but this is what I believe is going to happen. We will get things passed. The question is, is how much? Because there's too many things that are in Build Back Better that once you start really talking about them, like lowering prescription drug costs, I mean, insulin costs in our country, and again, that's a diabetes disproportionately prevalent in the black community. People are not even having to ration their insulin because they can't afford it. We are going to succeed in doing things like bringing down those drug costs. Uh, so we're going to get some things done that are going to help all of America, including and in particular black America. I just don't know how much we're going to get done. But you're right. The strategy now is to hold things out that, that on the face of them, people can't argue with affordable child care. It's insane that we have a nation where in about half of our states, the cost of child care is more expensive than tuition at the state college. So there are some things that America wants on both sides of the aisle that we're going to try to pull out of the bill. So people aren't thinking, build back better, trillion dollars. No, they're going to start thinking, this policy, I am for it. I see it as an investment in our country. I see it as an issue to bring costs down for Americans. And, and that's really what I'm going to start pushing. And by the way, for me, that goes with voting rights as well. Okay, this big voting rights bill, let's start pulling segments out against gerrymandering, pulling segments out against discrimination against Native American voters, pulling things out that uh, like dark money in our politics that, again, poll really well on both sides of the aisle and force Republicans to face their electorate and say, oh, I'm for big dark money. I, I didn't go with the, the Democrats on that piece of it. I think that's got to be the strategy going into this last year. All right, then. Look, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much for joining us. Look, you're welcome to come back anytime. You know, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, it's crazy seeing that Amy Klobuchar been on my show more times than you. But I ain't going to say nothing. But not, not, I mean, and her people called me saying, yo, can wow. she come on? I'm just like, I've just been ghosting you because somewhere around the beginning of the year, you dropped me. Drop me, man. I ain't changed my number, but all I'm saying is, uh, text send me Rosario's number two. Now I got your real ah, number ah, now. Ah, now you can't. Now you can't be running from a brother. Uh, and so uh, we'll see what happens. And so uh, keep it up. Thanks a bunch, and uh, we'll keep giving a hell. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Good Take day, care. Man. Peace. Right. Don't try to throw no shade at me. I'm gonna come right back at you. Uh, let's pull up Xavier and Mustafa. Mustafa, I want to start with you. Uh, look, I get it. You're trying to keep relationships with United States senators, but the bottom line is Senator Tim Scott, he lied. And I don't think he had any intention of moving forward with the George Floyd Justice Act because his party did not want to vote on that at all. Yeah, I mean, we know Senator Tim Scott is a politician and a strategist, whether you want to admit it or not, and that he is probably positioning himself for the 2024 race, and he has to make sure that he's in a proper alignment with his party uh, to be able to at least be in that mix, whatever that might look like, or becoming the leader of the Senate uh, in the Senate. So, you know, you know, sometimes folks do what they do, but there are ramifications for that. My, my mom always says you can't come back home if you get too far away. So I hope that he remembers that. Um, Xavier, um, the issue that, that I asked him about, how do you message 
uh, to African Americans. And look, Democrats are going to have to figure that out, not just to African Americans, but to young white voters, to elderly voters, to independent voters. I mean, they're going to have to have uh, messaging that speaks to what they've done. I, I think, look, you can sit here and talk about what are the Republicans for. That's you still, frankly, being on the defensive. No, you need to be clear. We had power. This is what we did with the power. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Roland. And I think that when we've seen what Republicans have been able to do effectively, and they pretty pretty much modeled after the successes of Barack Obama, uh, when he, he he his rise to presidency was focusing on the ground and the in, in the groundswell and getting attention to local issues. We look look what we're seeing on the right. We're seeing school boards advancing their policies. We're seeing them in streets and then rallies and even Donald Trump. He advanced his is what he was all about through rallies. And I think that Democrats have to give that same intensity in terms of on the ground, connecting with communities, connecting with local leaders and, and, and activists and being able to communicate the messages of things that worked and how and, and involving them in the process to keep them excited about voting. Because black people stood in long lines. Now they've been legislated against them not to even stand in long lines and even have water. And so there needs to be some infusing of why are we still investing in this process when we see this attention coming back at us? And so it is important that that Democrats are in the homes or in the communities. Everywhere that black people are, they need to be spoken to about how they can advance their cause, the successes of what Joe Biden's policy is, and not something that's just something you can just talk about and talking heads can get on television or you can tweet about. This needs to be in the community right where we live. Oh, absolutely. All right, folks. Uh, Got to go to a break. We come back. Um, I went on Dan Bongino's radio show today. Did he actually think I was going to get got? That ain't never happened. I'm going to show y'all how a pro does it when an amateur tries to get them to take the bait. Road don't fall for banana in the tailpipe. That's next. Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Don't forget, download our app uh, on all available platforms, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Samsung Fire, Samsung TV, Xbox, Samsung Fi uh, Amazon Fire Stick. Also, join our Bring the Funk fan club where your dollars go to support this show. Cash App is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. Venmo is RM, excuse me, uh, via Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Uh, Zelle is rolling at rollinsmartin.com, rolling at rollinmartinunfiltered.com. And of course, PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Cash App is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. Pay PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollinsmartin.com, rolling at rollinmartinunfiltered.com. Be back in a moment. Y'all don't want to miss this next segment. Trust me.
white supremacy ain't just about hurting black folk. Right. You got to deal with it. It's injustice. It's wrong. I do feel like in this generation, we've got to do more around being intentional and resolving conflict. You and I haven't always agreed. Yeah. But we agree on the big piece. Yeah. Our conflict is not about destruction. Conflict's going to happen. folks uh, welcome back to Roland Martin on the filter you know um, there's a difference between professionals and amateurs and it always shows itself when you're dealing with amateurs Th these are the people who are not trained in this you know there are people who used to be police officers who all of a sudden now they want to be media folk Megyn Kelly was a lawyer, now she want to be, try to become a journalist. Literally with all these different people. Well, Dan Bongino is one of those people. He used to be on the NYPD, then became a Secret Service agent, and then all of a sudden became a right-wing hack, and, you know, and he's going on Fox News, trashing Obama and all this sort of stuff. He's now got his radio show on Accumulus, taking a lot of the time slots of Russ, of, uh, Rush Limbaugh, who died last year. And so... You know, Dan is sitting here on YouTube, and all the conservatives love him. Oh, they all they love him, love him, love him. And Dan is out here, and Dan is sitting here doing his thing. So um, uh, he recently announced that he is going to be leaving YouTube. So he made this big deal. So I tweeted that Dan Bongino leaving YouTube is akin to a pimple on an elephant's ass. It's really no big deal. So I tweeted that and also said, you know, Dan, like the rest of these conservatives, these right-wing hacks, is afraid to debate a brother like me. So uh, now Dan bon D. Bongino on Twitter, he blocked me. But Bongino Report is still on, so I tagged them and, oh, uh, Dan not afraid to debate you. So his radio producer tweets me saying, uh, Dan, I have you on the show today. I said, come on. I debate Dan anytime, anywhere. Let's roll. So they said, well, we're going to talk about the YouTube stuff. We'll talk about some other different stuff. I said, all right, that's cool. So, so I'm going to deconstruct the interview because all, all his little simpleton followers, oh, man, he destroyed you. He tore you up. Uh, even even uh, polyester and cotton, uh, diamond and silk tried to weigh in. Oh, I heard you got it handed to you. And I said, you two fools don't know nothing, okay? Um, so I'm going to play for y'all uh, the audio. How, how long is the interview? How long was it? 14.30. So I'm going to deconstruct the interview, and, and I'm going to show y'all how you don't fall for the banana and tailpipe and how you can see the BS coming a mile away. Go ahead and play it. I'll do two guests per show, but this was important. Anytime someone calls us out to a debate, we're always like, okay, we love that. We have a specific segment. Of, Jim, we ask for liberals to call it all the time, and they refuse to do it. If you'd like to call 844-484-3872, uh, by the way, we'll take some of your calls at the end of the show. But welcoming to the show for the first time, a liberal, um, Roland Martin. Roland, how are you, sir? 
Uh, doing great, but you make the first mistake by branding me as a liberal. I've never identified as a liberal, conservative, Republican, or Democrat. Uh, I'm a black man uh, in America. So, uh, all right, all right, people, great. Voted for people of different sides. So, never make that mistake. Boom. Oh, Paul, okay. Paul. Good. I'm glad. Pause. See, when you don't do your homework, so auto, so automatically off the top. Now I got his ass backed up. Now he like, damn, I call his ass a liberal. Okay, that didn't work. Because, see, again, that's the whole deal. Liberal, conservative. Liberal, conservative. That's the whole game. See? And everybody knows, I ain't never identified as a liberal or conservative, Republican or Democrat. Damn, now it's like, okay, now I got to figure out how we're going to handle this. Because, see, y'all, here's what he thought. He thought I was going to come in hot. No, a pro knows that game. So I came in different tones. See, he thought I was going to come in here. I came in here. Now he's trying to recalibrate how he's going to approach this interview. Press play. Glad you told us who you were. I was confused today about that. So um, you said that uh, on your Twitter that we were afraid to debate you. Uh, why would, would I be well, afraid I, to debate you? I'm... Well, Dan, I, you, you, you made some, you made some appearances on Fox News, and I guess you got, got a little sensitive uh, and you blocked me even though I, I was simply disagreeing with one of your segments. And so, you know, but I, I, that's, I, that's typical for a lot of folks on Fox News uh, who don't actually want to engage with people who disagree with them. Uh, and so, and so there you go. So, you know, so that's why I had to get well, we have a note. report. My, my team has a note at the top of uh, the Twitter account. It says, if we blocked you, it's because you're probably a zero. So we were just trying to help people, but uh, we'll leave that for another day. Well, well, we, but, we uh, I'm not a zero. Never have been. Well, all right. We're just trying to provide some helpful assistance. Pause. Pause. Okay. So, y'all, again, take the bait. Okay? How you don't take the bait? So, what you do is you do a, you do a petty personal attack thinking that the person is going to get pissed off. And I was kind of like, like Chris Rock, like Chris Tucker in Friday. See? That's the game. So y'all got to understand, the host, the game that he's trying to play, he's trying to get you off your game. So let me be petty. Oh, well, we block people who are zeros. Mm, sorry, Dan, I'm not a zero. So you see how his tone changes. Now, let's get to the meat of the discussion. Play. Wondering why they may have been blocked. So let's chat. So you obviously were, for some reason, you seem to be upset about my departure from YouTube. Oh, no. Um, I, not I'm wondering why that is. Not upset at all. In fact, I, I, I found what I said was very simple. Leaving YouTube, uh, you know, after they demonetize your platform for 30 days and you hate your argument, I said, it's like a pencil in the elephant's ass. You know, here's a, here's a platform that does 5 billion views a day, and it's not going to have any material impact uh, on their views or on their revenue. And so that's what I said. So I think your folks were actually upset by it. I found it to be laughable. So, just curious, why would, I don't know you, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk, I have no idea who you are, I had to look you up, I thought you were the guy from Laughing, but then I thought it was Roland Mar, not Rowan, I was like, oh, Roland yeah, Mar, let me look yeah, this that, guy yeah, up. That, that, yeah, so, yeah, Ro, uh, no, I, I, I'm just being honest, I'm not trying yeah, to be a tool bag, I'm just, I, I have no idea who you are, but why, why would you even care? So, if, if I have no material impact on YouTube, being an equity investor in a $2.1 billion competitor, that does uh, 36 million uh, views uh, or, or customers a month on Rumble, then why would you care? I mean, I don't 
tweet about you. I don't even know who you are. I, I thought you were the laughing well, guy. Again, again, though, well, first of all, that's Rowan and Martin. This is Rowan Martin. Uh, there's a thing. Yeah, I know. I, I had to figure uh, that out. I'm searching. As yeah. well. uh, but again, I don't, you know, uh, prior to you uh, uh, going on Fox in the last election, I didn't know who you were. The reality is here. I mean, people comment on things all the time. I'm sure you actually comment on things or people you never met and you see something. And so I chose to comment. I mean, that that, that is possible. And that is typically what happens on this Yeah, podcast. I mean, I, they, it is. You're them. right. And so I saw the I story. support so I free speech. Pause. All right. So let me tell you, y'all saw what just happened right there? Oh, shit. You're right. Dude, you have a talk show. You come on the air and talk about stuff all the time. See, again, he tried to play that Oh, why are you talking about little old me? Why, why, is you, why are you even concerned? It's really no big deal. I mean, why are you bringing me up? D um, Dan, you're a talk show host. We comment on things all the time. That's kind of what that platform does. Twitter or Facebook, you comment on stuff. Oh, damn. Yeah, he's right. Shit, okay. That, that, that tactic didn't work. Damn, okay. What's next? Press play. Right. Yeah. So, well, okay. Yeah. I, I support. I, I, let me get, let me get to some quick because I I want to get to some substantive sure. stuff. I, all right, you explain your point. I, I get it. Makes makes perfect sense. Pause. Yes. Um, what that means is okay. I lost that one. I tried to sit here and uh, I tried to bring you in. I tried to piss you off. I tried to play you off. I tried to be petty by calling you a zero. I tried to be, be petty by saying, I don't even know who you are. I had to look you up. I tried to be petty by saying, oh, why do you bring these things up, y'all? I did not fall for the banana in the tailpipe. So now he has to resort to, oh, now let's get to some substance, which you should have done in the outset. How much time is left? 1048. So really, Dan wasted four minutes on BS because he thought I was going to fall for his petty talk show games. Dan, you're dealing with a pro. Press play. So do you have a problem with the fact that YouTube censors people for misinformation? And if you do, if the answer is yes, if it's no, great, it ends there. But if your answer is yes, I like this, they should do this, can you define what misinformation is for us? Pause right there. Now, he then, so, so here's the setup. YouTube censors, okay, for misinformation. Hmm, that is a subjective statement. It's not an objective statement. Does YouTube take down wrong information? That's the real question. See, so if you use the phrasing, I need you to listen to what I'm saying so you can understand the art of debate. When, you're, when, you, when your question is established, do they censor? That is deemed as a negative connotation. They are taking this thing down. He's saying misinformation. Misinformation is another cute word for lie. Listen to how I respond. Oh, hold up before you go there. He then said, if the answer is yes, then explain if it's yes or no. See, so the game that Dan and right wing folks like to do, like to play is this answer yes or no. Yes, I support censoring. No, I don't support censoring, which means I have now accepted your definition of the issue by playing on your turf. An, an amateur would fall for that, not a pro. Press play. Well, actually, you said they censor people for misinformation, which means you have to define exactly what they is. What did they censor you for? 
They censored me for a comment Dr. Anthony Fauci had made about masks that I repeated later. Stop. Fauci has not been censored. Stop. They censored me for a comment about masks. Does Dan say what the comment was? No. So therefore, you want me to comment on you want to provide the nuance of what you actually said? Oh, it was a, a comment Fauci said, y'all. That's an amateur move. A pro will spot that in a heartbeat. Press play. Kind of weird. But let's uh, don't get lost in what I did. I've already discussed that on my no, show. Just... Boom, freeze right there. Don't get lost on what I did. Let me reset the table. Why is he leaving YouTube? Because YouTube demonetized his platform for 30 days. Why did I comment him leaving? being a pimple on an elephant's ass because of that. And then he says, now, don't get lost in what I did. That's called, oh, please don't bring up my stuff. Let's stick with everybody else's stuff. Again, that's an amateur talk show move to keep the, keep the, keep the heat off of you and to keep it somewhere else. Press play. No, no, I'm, I'm curious because I want to talk about more substantive issues like what is misinformation and do you support censorship by these te tech platforms and let's be clear i'm not suggesting it's a first amendment issue don't go there at all i'm not it's a private company i'm just asking you as a political wait hold on let me ask the question i'll give you time to answer i'm not going to cut you i'm just asking you as a political commentator you got a profile do you support these companies unquestionably censoring content for misinformation and what is misinformation freeze right there Okay, one, he thought I was going to bring up the First Amendment argument. Dan, I wasn't going to bring it up because the First Amendment, because clearly you read it, applies to government. So, yes, private companies can do these things. No need for me to bring it up because you thought I was coming next because you knew I was going to obliterate your argument. But, again, I need y'all to listen to what he keeps saying. This is why I keep telling you, when you're in a debate, listen to what people say. Xavier, he's an attorney. He understands my point. If you're in a courtroom, you listen to what the opposing counsel says. You listen to them potentially slipping up while they're talking. And so most people are focused on what they're going to say next versus listening to what someone says. Dan keeps framing this as censoring and misinformation when misinformation, y'all, in this case dealing with COVID, are lies. Press play. I'll give a perfect example. I believe in truth. So uh, yesterday, uh, I was highly critical of an NBC News story with regards to uh, President Joe Biden and his uh, support for historically black colleges and universities. I watched this three-minute and 27 report uh, by a reporter, uh, and I've been watching it. Literally, there was no data, no information, no actually amounts, nothing along those lines. And it was an interview with three HBCU students who I highly respect, but they don't actually didn't have any information. And so then The Root, which is a black targeted website, uh, reported on it. And I said, guys, if you're going to report something, I said, base it upon truth, base it upon facts. I said, pick the phone up, call somebody. Part of this issue when you talk about misinformation is when you have folks who lie, who spread things that are absolutely incorrect. I just got a text message today from somebody who said, hey, if you raise your pH level above 5.5, you can ward off COVID. It's not true. And I said, don't spread that. Don't send it around unless, unless you actually know that. Uh, I have people okay. who come on my show who are not doctors and scientists who want to discuss COVID. And I'm going, I'm sorry, what is your expertise? Oh, you read a medical journal. I'm like, but why are we listening to, I'm not going to listen to a mechanic talk about heart issues. They're a mechanic. 
So there's okay. misinformation right. out here. I got you. I got you. I, 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 I'm a little, Roland, I'm a little short on time. I, I'm Freeze right there. Again, an amateur radio trick. I, I'm, a, I'm short on time. What that means is you are destroying my points. You're making way too much sense. You used a real-life example that you were involved in. So now what I have to do is I now have to shift my tone. So now what I'm about to do, I'm about to start throwing a series of questions rapid fire, and I want you to answer yes or no. Then I'm going to accuse you of filibustering because you're not answering the way uh, I need you to answer because, uh, you know what, you're making way too much sense. Here it comes. Press play. A few things in Okay. I, I listen to your, your take. I get it. I understand. So you're suggesting Joe Biden may have lied about HBCUs, but that wasn't Freeze. the question. Should ah, y'all just caught that? Did y'all just catch that? So here's what the amateur does. The amateur talking to his right-wing audience, you just suggested that Joe Biden lied. Boom! Really? Is that what I suggested? Ah, y'all know I'm too good for that one. I caught it real quick. Press play. Should Joe Biden then be censored by no, YouTube? I use this example. I use it, I use okay, it but that was the example of misinformation. Wait, hold, time no, no, out, no, no, time out. I let you respond. But so should he be censored by YouTube? But he, you just actually stated it was a misinformation. I never said he said that. I said the NBC report was critical of his support. You just stated what's factually incorrect. Not even what I said. So should you NBC News... Boom! Uh-oh, freeze. Oh, shit. Here's Dan. Damn, he got me. Oh, damn, he got me. He just sit there and said, damn, because uh, see, y'all, Dan said, you said Biden lied. No, I didn't. You said that. Wrong. No, where did I say that? That's what happens when someone tries to use your words, twist it for the purpose of their own agenda, and then the people who are not pros, they go right, rat chase that right down the rabbit hole. Boom, I froze. No, sorry. You just exemplified misinformation because you just lied. I never said that. Y'all see how I try to change the subject? Press play. So what should NBC News should NBC News should be censored. What NBC News should do is correct the report. If you oh, okay. Oh, 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 exactly. Okay, so they shouldn't be censored. No, 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 no. Right I just correct. I mean, uh, you should, uh, should have truthful information. Right. So people should be able to. So just to be clear, your your point is that censorship is a bad thing, and people should be able to correct misinformation. Phrase, phrase. See, I told y'all from the beginning. Dan's whole thing is censorship and misinformation. First of all, Dan refuses to acknowledge that misinformation are lies. And so what he's angry about is that YouTube is, is flagging lies and penalizing lies. So he wants me to stay within the narrow confines of his argument that it's censorship for misinformation. Dan, you are advancing lies and they don't like getting busted for lies. It's called misinformation. It's called alternative facts. What he's now about to get upset is, I won't play his game. Press play. I believe that, I believe that if someone is giving information that is erroneous and misinformation, that needs to be corrected. If an individual okay, then chooses not to do so, then you take whatever action against them. But so like freeze right there. Boom. I just answered this question. I just answered this question. I said, you take 
whatever action against them, which means demonetize their platform, which means take down their post. Oh, I didn't use this. I totally, I didn't forgot, but there was a post that we put up. It was a, it was a discussion that we had. YouTube flagged us, say it was misinformation around COVID. We appealed the decision saying, no, we refuted what the person said in real time based upon my response and others. Guess what YouTube said? You're right, boom, we lift the block. Dan, you didn't do that. You deliberately pushed misinformation for your agenda. I told you, Dan, you're an amateur. You were a cop. You were a secret service agent. And then you came into media. Dan, you only came into media in the 2016 race. Poor Dan. I've been doing this since I was 14 years old. For 39 years. I've debated Klansmen, white supremacists. I've debated uh, folks who were in the Black Panthers. I've debated people uh, in the Nation of Islam. I've debated people who are Christian, who are Muslim, who are Jewish, who are Buddhist, who are atheists. I've debated folks who are black, who are white, all of that. See, the difference is, this is what I do. You thought you were dealing with an amateur, like you are, but I'm a pro. And pros can sniff out amateur talking points and how you try to play the game. Listen how his tone changes and he begins to speed up because his brain is now firing because he, he can't get me off of my game. Press play. So you you're for censorship. somebody on your show who lies. Would you Roland, put someone on your show who lies? Yes or no? Roland, I, Roland I'm asking the questions. The answer Freeze. is we have people. Oh, I'm asking the questions. That's what a trick that you always use when someone has got you on the run. Right now, he is running for his life. Listen. Don't lie, like uh, we, I have you on the show. I mean, there's an example. Boom! I mean, let's be honest here. I'm asking you a simple question, and what you're doing is you're answering with another question to avoid. It's a really simple question. Do you support censorship of people who you believe are lying? Do you support it or not? I believe that if someone is, is lying, if someone who's lying, they need to correct the information. If they refuse to do so, then you take corrective action. But you okay, also let's, give a, let's do you, an you example. You call me a liar with, with no information. Let's, with let's no do an example. Whatsoever. No, no, I do have a ton of examples of exactly. I, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm more than happy to it? dig through a couple of them right here. Let's test. Let's do an integrity test. Freeze right here. Okay, so Dan Bagino got busted in a lie. And then he was like, damn, I got busted, now, I got, now he got me on a run. Damn, he got me on a run. He said, I have people on all the time who lie, like you. Oh, you're calling me a liar? Okay, bring, what did I lie about? Oh, well, I, 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 I oh, shit, I've, damn, I've, I, I've, I've got some stuff in front of me, let me, shit, damn, I just called him a liar and I ain't got nothing to back it up with, so I got something. You didn't have anything. So you just provided misinformation. You said, I have people on all the time who lie, like you. Oh, I'm a liar? Where's your evidence? You have none. That's how he switches the subject. Oh, no, no, let's, 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 let's go to this here. Press play. So the Russian collusion narrative, which is now a documented lie, we all realize it was fabricated by a guy, Igor Danchenko, uh, in conjunction with Christopher Steele and passed through conduits. 
We know the story was made up because the people who made up the story have admitted that the story was made up. Should the people who told that lie over and over, this is their integrity test, I'm going to prove my point here, should they, according to your principle, that if it's a lie you don't correct, they should be censored, should they be censored from YouTube? They should actually have to correct the information. If the information uh, the, is false, again, they, I mean, they I have not you, corrected you the information. I, I don't, I don't, so, Roland, I don't should they be? It's, you can't, well, you can't no, no, let's not it. dance. Someone, let's not dance here. Someone, Why are we dancing here? Let's just answer the. Should Dan, they be Dan, censored? They have Dan, not corrected Dan, the information. Dan, I'm not. I'm not dancing. I'm actually answering it. What you don't like is you don't like the answer. I said it. No, because you're not giving an answer. You're doing this like liberal thing that's so frustrating. They have not. Freeze right there. Freeze. You're doing this liberal thing that's fr fr so frustrating. No, Dan, being factual is not liberal or conservative. It's being factual. And Dan's problem is he literally didn't listen. See, the problem is when you're an amateur, you get in your mind how you want the answer to come to you so you don't actually listen to one's, what someone says, and that's what was frustrating him. I literally said again there, if someone does not correct the information, corrective action must be taken against them. I said it multiple times. He kept saying, I didn't answer the question. I did. I just didn't answer it the way you wanted me to. Press play. The information, it's been like four years. Should they be censored or not? Okay, let me make it simple because you're not going to. It's been yeah, four yeah, years yeah, yeah. and they, you, ha you, wait, you, time out. Have they, they haven't corrected <laughs> the information about collusion. Should they be censored? It just seems weird that you have this double standard that conservatives should be standard. censored. I give you an example actually, and you're like, I, no, no, they actually, should be given actually, another opportunity. Actually, no, no, that's not true. If information, what, what did I just say? I said, if information is wrong, and the information has been proved to be wrong, and if the individual does not correct it, then corrective action should be taken to take that information out of the public sphere. But you Okay, how long do you get? Wait, Roland, how long do you get? Wait, it's been four years. Is there a timeline, or do you just get to lie about it forever? Dan, again, you, your own mouth said you invite liars on, which included me, but you cannot provide any substantive Yeah, I just called you out. You're sitting there all day. You're sitting there all day talking about me on YouTube and censorship, claiming that people, did you, Roland, I mean, well, I'm I, just I, repeating I back to you I, your I, own I words you, I, that people really, should be allowed to really. correct the information. I say to you they haven't corrected the information. I cite an example from a liberal, and you're like, and, no, and, no, and, they and should definitely be given another chance. No, Praise no, right no. there. Okay, so this is the game that you play. Oh, you should be given another chance. He does not say anywhere in there, Roland, you did say corrective action should be taken and that information should be removed from the public space. That's actually what I said. See, he can't concede that point because his talking point won't allow him. That's what amateurs do. See, a professional knows how to shift their position or argument based upon going up against another professional. But when you are an amateur, you can only stay in one lane. You don't have the ability to sit here and get on your toes. Camera here. See, Dan can't do this here. Dan can't do this here. He can't do this here. This is Dan right here. He's staying in one spot. See, Dan can't switch to this position, and he can't switch back to Southpaw. He can't do that because he's an amateur. That's why he's getting frustrated because I won't accept his 
debate. I want to accept his bait because he's not listening. I'm not done. Press play. Draw another example. Let's do a Roland Martin integrity test to prove my point here. So Rand Paul was censored from YouTube, a medical doctor. Freeze. Discussing. So I saw that. Rand Paul was censored from YouTube, a medical doctor. Y'all, Rand Paul's an eye doctor who's not board certified. That's what information was sent to me that he's not board certified. But say, Rand Paul's a doctor because the public doesn't know. So they're thinking, well, he was a doctor. They're thinking medical doctor. They ain't thinking eye doctor. They're thinking, oh, with the body. Like he's actually, you know, like a scientist. He's an eye doctor, not board certified. Don't want us to use that nuance there. Watch this. Information about masking and vaccines and COVID on YouTube. Should he have been censored? We well, were censored. He was talking about masks. No, no. He was talking what about the say? effectiveness and efficacy of vaccines. Freeze right there. Freeze right there. I said, what specifically did Rand Paul say? Dan, he was talking about uh, the, the mask and the efficacy of vaccines. No, that's a, that's a subject. What specifically did he say that caused him to be shut down by YouTube? Dan won't say it because he knows it's a lie. Then he gets upset because I start demanding what specifically did he say? If one of my staffers comes to me and says, Roland, this happened, I will go, what did she do? Well, this thing just happened. No, 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 I need to know. But what did she do? What did he do? Well, I'm just pissed. I, I, I'm just mad and upset. No, no. What did they do? What did they say? You want me to take action against them just because, but you won't tell me what they said. So therefore, I don't have enough information to weigh in because you won't tell me. That's the trick Dan tried. Y'all, that only works when you're talking to amateurs. Press play. I just told you the efficacy of masks and vaccines, how the vaccines have not met the criteria initially. Freeze right there. I told you the efficacy of masks and vaccines. No, that's a subject. What did, what did he actually say? Did Rand Paul say masks do not work? Did Rand Paul say vaccines do not work? He's giving me the subject of what Rand Paul said, not the specifics. And he's mad that I won't have the conversation with him until he tells me specifically what Paul said. Press play. And Paul, don't try to filibuster and, and wait out the clock because you, you know, you can't no, answer the question waiting. with any integrity. Yeah, Should Rand clock. Paul have been you, censored by YouTube or not? If Rand, if Rand Paul, what did Rand Paul say? Masks don't work? Did he say vaccines oh. don't work? What did he say? All right, let's go on to an easier. Freeze right there. Boom. Boom. Dan, what did Rand Paul say? Masks don't work, vaccines don't work. Shit, he got me. Damn, he got me. Oh, okay, now I gotta, what can I do? He got my ass. Damn, the pro just got me. Uh, switch the damn subject. Press play. Apparently it's too hard. But should the, uh, should the media outlets, should, okay, let's ask a simple one. Because I just told you he was talking about and calling out studies on the, you know what?
Dan, Roland, you're not, Dan, you're really not picking Dan, this stuff question. up, and it's really Dan, tough Dan, for me question. to debate with liberals Dan, because you guys can't tell the truth. Let me give you a simple example. Really, that's How too complicated for you. I can do, you, he was talking about the Arizona mass study, the Bangladesh mass study, studies you haven't read. Okay, so I, I can't go into that. Let's go into something different. Let's talk about Juicy Smollier, right? What about the media outlets that reported about this now fully discredited racial attack? They have, many of them have, have since have yet to correct this. Should they be censored? Did those media outlets cover uh, what happened to that? I'm asking you, did they cover that? So he, he made an initial claim. That that, no, 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 let's walk through timeline. He made an initial claim. They reported that. Did they subsequently report what the Chicago police said, what the prosecutor said? They report what the doesn't trial matter the if you have made a statement wow. like an opinion wow. host on CNN or MSNBC to the veracity of this man's story and have now not gone back at his opinion host and said you were wrong. That's not a correction. Reporting on the fact that there's been a trial or an arrest is not the same. Roland, listen, I'm just like dismantling your argument piece by piece. Let me give you one more. Let's give you one. Let's try to be simple because I got 30 seconds. 30 seconds. 30 seconds left. Nicholas Sandman, right? We have on tape what happened there. Nicholas Sandman. Okay, Roland, I got only got 20 seconds. One more answer, Man, 20 seconds. Really Nicholas Sandman. Wait, should they Fox have corrected the Nicholas Sandman conspiracy theory? Yes or no? Fox News literally said the lawyers that you don't really believe what Tucker says. You have the same network. So do you question that? Yes what, or no? What are you talking about? Do I question what? No, you talk about Roland, have you been eating edibles yeah. today? Was there? Actually, did, was there did you think I, those I, were jujubes? That they were edibles? Uh, uh, I mean, really, are you okay? So you Dan, come on, I let you on the show. I tell you to debate. And yeah, we got Roland. I got to go. No, Listen, Dan, honestly, Dan, on a Dan, serious Dan, note. Dan, wait, wait, hold on. Because I got to go. I'm really at the end. I'm, I'll have you. I promise you this. I'll have you back. It was fun. Oh, yeah. I'm not kidding. But I do got to go. I will have you back. Jim is your number. I'm not messing with you. But I'm serious. I'm not trying to cut oh, you off. Dan. We're like 30 seconds over. All right, Roland Martin. Thanks for taking the time. It was fun. We'll have you back another time. I'll see you then. But thank you. All right, no, folks. Problem. Now, bring up Mustafa and Xavier. Dan tried to overtalk me on the end there because he saw what was coming. You know what he saw what was coming? I said, wait a minute, you just brought up talk show hosts who don't correct things and who lie. I said, you work at a network where the lawyers who were defend the Fox News lawyers who were defending Tucker Carlson in the lawsuit says Tucker's audience knows he makes things up. Tucker Carlson is on record as saying when he gets back into a corner, he makes things up. That's why Dan started doing a running man, because he saw what was coming. Mustafa, I don't know why they sit here and first of all think that you gonna put a pro with an amateur like Dan Bongino. Every single, literally, the, I, I was sitting here watching a 35-mile-an-hour ball come my way and just waiting on it every single time. I mean, he just wasn't ready. He wasn't ready for prime time. He thinks he was ready for prime time, but, you know, number air and opportunity was between y'all, and you took, uh, took, him to the, took him to the mat. It, it reminded me of all these people over history who haven't been ready. 
uh, for, you know, when, when the moment came, whether it was Kennedy and Nixon, and Nixon looked like he was not even ready to be presidential, or you look at Ali and Liston, uh, or you look at all those people that Tyson knocked out in the first round who thought that they was ready until they stepped into the ring, and then they got that beat down. So, you know, he could practice up, and maybe in 10, 15 years, he'll be ready. See, the thing, Xavier, again, that amateurs like Dan don't understand is if you don't have a well-developed argument, don't bring that shit up to a pro. See, I keep telling people this. It's, this is like when people roll up on me on the street and we're somewhere and they want to debate. And I, I toy with them. But then when they want to get serious, I put my foot in that ass. Then it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, why you got to get so serious? You said you wanted this smoke. Well, damn it, accept this smoke. The fact of the matter is, at every single point, I'm nailing him. What did he say? Well, I told you what he said. No, you didn't. You said he talked about the efficacy of masks and vaccines. What specifically did he say that caused YouTube to knock him off? See, they don't want to deal with that. What these, what these right-wing conservatives want to do is they want to call anything censoring when it's shutting down lies. They, Dan Bongino wants to be able to lie with impunity and face no repercussions, and that's really why he and other conservatives are angry. No wonder I'm questioning right now whether Dan Bongino was a black man because uh, it looked like he was trying to be Alex Foley and put the banana in the tailpipe. Uh, trick on you, Roland. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> number one. Uh, number two, uh, I think it's really interesting that they try to pigeonhole with these yes and no questions. Yep. I already have programmed what my answer is going to be. So if I don't get the answer I want, I'm going to take the, take you down a decision tree where there's another yes or no answer. And I get to be able to basically spill all of my misinformation on top of it. He jumped from Rand Paul, the J Jesse Smollett, all these different issues that connect to uh, the misinformation that he's spreading that cost him being on YouTube and the platform itself uh, and, and not recognizing that YouTube has a terms of service agreement. You didn't follow it, you're gone. You're upset. And if you were insignificant, Roland, why are you on the show? Huh? If you're a zero, why are you on the show? Why are you grifting off uh, you as an American black man? If you really thought you were insignificant, you were significant enough to try to make a target uh, in your audience, and you failed down by Gino. What's the DNA test, bro? All, all, all I'm saying here is, is this here. And Dan, I will be happy to come back on your radio show. I'll come on your Fox show. You can call, matter of fact, you can bring Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram. You can bring all of them with you. Because see, I'm going to tell y'all, at the, at the Republican National Convention, two, uh, it was 2012. We were in the media center, like two or three conservatives rolled up against me. Then about four or five, then it was about eight of them. And look, Dana Lash, she was over here. Her husband was one of them. I was like Neo in the Matrix with they ass. This is exactly what happened. I was like, boom, next. Boom, whatever. Boom, knock your ass out. Boom, knock you out. Who else y'all got? They're like, we're recording you. I'm already on TV, I'm used to cameras. Boom, just knocking their ass out. Just boom, boom. I said, anything else y'all got? Then one dude was like, see, see, you're going to have like these, these, uh, these, uh, illegal, these illegal immigrants getting Texas driver's license. Fool didn't know I was even from Texas. I said, really? He went in my pocket. I said, oh, you mean like what, this one right here? I said, man, go sit your ass down. Again, y'all, 
Don't roll up on a pro if you succeed in amateur hour. That crap works, Dan Bongino, when you are talking by yourself. Dan, I'm going to give you something. Rush Limbaugh didn't really have a lot of guests on his show. You know why? Because he know guests talk back. That's why Newsmax and OANN and Fox News, they're not going to have opposing views because they, need, they, they do affirmation TV. They do affirmation radio. Hugh Hewitt's not going to call me. That's why Neil Bortz, his punk ass, when he was on radio in Georgia, used to trash me all the time. I hit him one day saying, you know what? I will come to Atlanta. I will come to your studio. I said, in fact, I'm going to Atlanta in two weeks. I'm going to extend my trip 48 hours just to stay to do your show. Uh, 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 no, you can't come on. Oh, you can talk about me, but you can't face me. Y'all, I need everybody to understand. You have to always be aware of the games that they play and how they want to try to box you in to debate on their terms. I hope Dan Bongino and his people watch this video because this was a master class on how to be a real radio and TV talk show host. Because see, if y'all watch this, you might be better the next time you have me on. But guess what? Like a pro, I make halftime adjustments. That's how we roll. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. Wall Street has been all over the place, up and down, left and right. What in the hell is going on? So we turn to America's Wealth Coach, Deborah Owens, uh, to explain to us, uh, folks, of course, her show uh, is going to be debuting on the Black Star Network on January 31st. It's a weekly show, the ability for you to be able uh, to learn about stocks, finances, that stuff that we always say we need to have financial literacy. 
We're going to be providing it for you, and so we can't wait uh, for it to launch. Deborah, glad to have you here. So all of these, all we keep hearing, Deborah, oh, my God, the economy's in tatters. Inflation is sky high. People, they're charging 30 more cents for a burrito. Okay, please, can, can you just speak to these folks who really, it's about hating Biden, who are saying that the economy, Gianno Caldwell, who we used to have, I used to put him on TV one, this fool actually said on Fox News, the economy today is worse than it was in 2008. Well, not quite, right? But the, the reality is, Roland, that prices are up, right? And so much of the inflation that we're seeing is a direct correlation to all of the supply chain uh, uh, things that are happening because of COVID, right? Like, we really thought we were out of the woods, and then look at where we are now. And so, you know, you just think about it. Look around. Uh, you, I had a bout of COVID over the holidays. My husband then got it. You know, you go in stores and you feel like people aren't waiting on you. Well, it's because people are sick, right? And so they're the ones who, it's not just uh, supply chain uh, logistics that are clogged up. I mean, it sort of has a ripple effect. So- okay, okay, Hold on, hold on. Is, so let's, hold on. Let's, let's, let's put a pause in there. Again- yeah. For, so people need to understand, inflation just doesn't happen. It's sort of like you go to the doctor and they go, you have high blood pressure. That shit didn't kick in last week. <laughs> well, no, but, but the point I want to make is that, you know, people only experience what they see, right? So if I go in the store and something that I bought like, uh, you know, six months ago is now 30% higher, that is inflation, but there's a reason for that. And so the, the, the point is that a couple of things are happening. Uh, uh, it's, you know, interest rates are edging up, but they've been artificially low for a long time. And part of the reason- A long time. A long time. So- the point is that, you know, people are always sitting back and observing their, regardless of the economic climate, this is the point that I want to make and the point that we'll be making on Get Wealthy is there are always opportunities to make money. So what I want, you know, particularly the, the folks on this network to uh, kind of embrace is that you, you have to have a wealth mindset. You have to be able to look at, okay, inflation is high. You know, gas prices are higher. So what are the things that are going to benefit from that? Well, you know, I was just reading an article and they were talking about how this is going to further, just like COVID escalated uh, online adoption, technology ad adoption, you know, whether it be telemed, you know, even though there were all these HIPAA rules, the point is that what are, what, our audience needs to be looking at are what are the companies and what are the industries that are going to benefit in this economic environment. It's always going to change. The, the, the issue is that right now, what's driving the market and the decline in the market really is so much uncertainty, right? And the other point is that- I don't want you to run past that. Okay. Because when people hear that, Again, 
There's so much attention that's put on the stock market, which makes no sense because, again, people act like that it is the leading economic indicator when it's not. But you just said there's so much uncertainty. For, yes. For the people, but no, no, but for the people who don't understand, those individuals who are in the stock market, they like certainty. They want to know the sun will be rising at 612 tomorrow. It will be setting at 428. If all of a sudden somebody says, hey, the sun's going to be rising at 640. Well, hold up, hold up. No, no, it was supposed to be 612. What, what, what happened? And so when one thing happens, when, oh, Russia moves 100,000 troops to the Ukraine, that might impact the oil and gas in Europe, which then may cause this, that's uncertainty. When it's, oh, will there be a tax hike? Is there going to be a tax cut? Uncertainty. And so... The people who are buying and trading stocks, they like it when stuff is just going according to plan. Nothing, nothing, no war breaks out. Nothing catastrophic happens. It's just keeping it steady. Well, the truth is, though, Roland, so if we look at this most recent volatility, part of that is companies not making their expected earnings targets. So, for example, let's just take Netflix, right? So Netflix did not meet the subscriber growth that it thought it would, right? And so because it missed its target, and Netflix has run up as one of probably the best performing uh, stocks during this whole, the, the past you know year and a half of COVID because everybody's sitting at home, right? So it has kind of like a ripple effect. So then they start thinking, oh, well, Netflix didn't hit its target. And so then they start looking at all the other subscription services. We saw it recently with Peloton not meeting its target. So here's the point. Now, the Pel Peloton was doing some other down, Peloton was right? doing some other stuff, but, but go ahead. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to, to get into I am. The, yeah, I, uh, I, uh, all that stock was sold. And yeah, OK, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, well here's, here's the point I want to make, is that uh, it, it, particularly in investing in volatile times, most of the people watching us, if they're exposed to the stock market, it is through their employer-sponsored plans, their 401ks and their 403bs. And so one of the points that I make is, like, when you see the market decline this quickly, you know, kind of did a whipsaw here lately, that leads to people having concern, and that's the point at which you really do know what, what your risk tolerance is, right? So I would, I would suspect that what we're also going to see is more selling because people have saw that, you know, thought the market only went up, now it's going down, and so some of them are going to get scared and get out of the market. But Here's what I want uh, folks to know is most of you are investing through your retirement plans. And so every month you're putting money in. And uh, the truth is that, you know, in, in the foreseeable future, you may be buying shares at lower prices. And that's a good thing, Roland, because that's really how you went at investing is buying more shares at lower prices so that in the long term, your 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 money's gonna grow, and you wouldn't have purchased everything at a high price. Well, I, I just I, I I again first of all I 
I, I don't spend lots of time going back and forth. Look, I don't even look at my damn 401k. I don't. It's there. Mark, I don't even, I don't look on, look, it's right here on the front of my iWatch. And I don't even look at what the hell the, the stock market is. I just don't. Okay, and it's just, and so people, so, so when I, when people start freaking out and, oh my God, this is going on, this is going on, and, and all this, what I also understand, it gets silly with people like, that's right, it's Biden's fault, we got inflation. Y'all, if something started 18 months ago and it's rearing its head today, person wasn't even in office. And so the whole deal with the supply chain is real simple. When COVID hit, guess what? There was no manufacturing going on in China, in Singapore, in Thailand, in Pakistan, and all those places. And then all of a sudden, people were sitting their ass at home with stimulus checks and all this extra money, they started buying shit. And so all of a sudden, I know, look, the little, little Elgato Cam Link card that we use uh, for our cameras, them damn things were selling for $1,000 because you couldn't find any because they weren't making them anymore because nobody was at work. So what then That's happened? Right. We came out of 2020, came into 2021, they begin, people be, begin to come back, and guess what? The Elgato Cam Link that was selling for $1,000 in June of 2020 went back to $119 in February of 2021 because that was supply. And then we had the problem, we had the ship stuck off the coast, out there in the West Coast, they couldn't dock, and all this sort of stuff. But people started freaking out on this deal, and it's sort of like, yo, breathe. But look, Take a wide shot. We're supposed to have, we're supposed to have furniture, give me this cap. We're supposed to have our, our furniture chairs and everything in here. Deborah, the furniture store says it's six to nine months to get furniture. Yes, yes. I, I, I experienced that, by the way. But here's the other point I want to make, Roland, and what we're going to cover on Get Wealthy and what the audience is going to hear from some real people, not just you know, me talking at them, telling them what they need to do is actually, you know, I see not looking at your portfolio, but the other aspect of it is you need to be looking at individual stocks that are going to do well in this economy. You know, I think, you know, so, so it's sort of like a thing looking around the corner is what are the companies going to do, do well? Well, what we're seeing is uh, the, the large car manufacturers are going totally electric. I mean, they're, 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 so what are the other, the parts to electric cars, right? So you got to make the batteries. So I just, what we hope to do on Get Wealthy is get people to think out of the box and stop being afraid and understand that regardless of what the economy does, there's always an opportunity to invest and, and, and make money. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, all them people who put, who all them, like I saw a story of these athletes who got paid in Bitcoin, uh, ain't looking too good right now. Uh, well, again, here's the other thing, like I'm not gonna hate on Bitcoin either because Roland, it is an emerging asset class. I'm, I no, I'm, I'm, hey, hey, I'm a hate on it. You know why, Deborah? I hear, <laughs> I, Deborah, I hear all that, I hear all that. Here's what I know. If it's $100 in my hand, and you tell me about this coin, I know that $100. And that $100 in my hand can go bro, buy me something. But the bottom line is that 
And here's what people need to understand about currency is that the exchange of that money, like you, in your mind, you feel like if you were to go to the bank and you were to take, you go to take your money out, then you're trusting that the bank has your money there, right? And so there is a, uh, in theory, well, not in theory, but you know, like there's nothing backing the dollar, right? Like like they did uh, after Nixon changed it, where it wasn't based on gold. So we're we're all every currency is based on the trust that we put in it. That if we go to make exchange it for goods, that somebody will exchange the value. Hey, I feel you. I feel That's the same thing with Bitcoin. So no, Roland, I am not going to let you make people fearful, right, of something they don't understand. I'm not, Deborah. I'm not okay. making. I'm not making them fearful. All, okay. all I, all, I'm not making them feel for. All I know is, I can feel this. I can touch this. But it's, check this out, right. Let's it's, go back to inflation. That same dollar is purchasing less than it was a year ago. I don't need more. Good. I don't need more. I already bought everything I need. Well, <laughs> okay. So, so. That's why I'm glad this is your show. <laughs> get wealthy. We're going to be learning how to get wealthy in all asset classes, whether hey. it's stocks, real estate, Bitcoin, options. I want y'all to discuss all of that. I'm just letting y'all know Uncle Roro going to be looking for Harriet Tubman on that $20 bill. And I'm be sitting here counting ones, fives, tens, twenty, and hundreds. So I don't. I, I talked a lot of people about Bitcoin and all that. Uh, I, that's cool, but uh, I'm good right here. Don't it's bet the farm on Bitcoin, but there. I'm is not. No, but I'm, I'm just saying. Nothing wrong with people having the 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 money that you can that that you know that isn't going to take care of your basic needs or that isn't, you know, for your future retirement. Here's all I want to say, Roland, and this is the point I want to make on Get Wealthy. So much of the wealth gap is because, and this is a huge number, 65% of Black households don't even own stocks outside of their retirement plan. And so, I brought the receipts too. This is what I want you to know. I went back and researching this show, this show, and in 2014, I came on News One Now. Same thing. The market was very volatile. Mm -hmm. Do you know what the Dow Jones was at that point? What? Sixteen thousand. Right. Right. Where is the Dow Jones now? About thirty-four thousand, something like that. There you go. So it has doubled in seven years. And what that means, Roland, is that, and at the same time, what have at the same time, what have interest rates done? Gone down. Okay, so so much of our money, our savings are in fixed income investments. So there's a whole lot of people that did not even get to take advantage of the rise in the market. Yeah, absolutely. And, right? And so 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 that is the point I want to make is that. Yes, in the short term, there will be volatility, but this is not the time to get fearful. In fact, 
it is the time to what we call or get wealthy to have a wealth mindset and look at where the opportunities now that we finally seeing some of this, the, the, the stocks decline, right? Because we haven't had a huge correction or a huge decline. So it's sort of like the market doesn't always go down. And so it's almost like it was looking for an excuse. Got it. Whether it's the Fed raising interest rates, right? Whether it's a lot of these big companies that had, I mean, if you look at Netflix, here's the only statistic I want people to know, is that if you had invested $1,000 in Netflix 10 years ago, it would be worth $51,000, mm -hmm. right? That's 51 times your money. So I would say Netflix has performed for investors pretty well. But the point is, now that we're in this inflationary environment, what is going to be the next companies that really take off right, right. in the next 10 years? And that's exactly the conversation we're going to ha be having on Get Wealthy. So All right. I am so excited to be able to share not only what people need to do, but they're going to hear from some real folks who have seen their portfolios grow. And the point is, is that if they can do it, uh, if they can do it, our viewers can do it too. Well, I agree. And I'm going to be like an uh, old preacher. I ain't trying to hear no coins. I need to hear the rustling of paper. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Hey, y'all, January 31st, uh, the show debuts. We appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. All right, y'all. Appreciate it. Going to a quick break. We come back. We're going to have our marketplace segment brought to you by Verizon. It's a black shipping company. Hold up. Wait a minute. Hold up. I can ship stuff with a black company? Yes. We're going to tell you who they are next on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Mustafa, a lot of us, man, you know, we sit here, we ship stuff with UPS, we ship it with FedEx, we use ship our golf clubs with ship sticks. I'm sure uh, you uh, utilize a lot of stuff, USPS as well, but what about 
uh, using a black shipping company. A black entrepreneur has found a way to ship all of your black-owned goods through a black-owned distributor. Really? Ship Black is a logistics super center focused on serving black-owned e-commerce businesses. Joining us right now is the founder of Ship Black, Tiffany Townsend. She is from my hometown of Houston. Tiffany, how you doing? Hi, Mr. Rowland. How are you? Doing great. So, all right. So, explain is what is what is what is Ship Black? What's the deal? Hey, Ship Black is geared towards helping black-owned e-commerce businesses ship their items. We price with them. We pack and we ship. So we're providing this fulfillment service for our e-commerce businesses. So, okay, I have, so what you're saying, so I have pocket squares uh, that we sell. Okay. And so what you're saying is um, uh, that what would, would do, you, do you have the supplies at your location when somebody orders, then you feel, fulfill that order? Yes. So what we do is we integrate with their, their store, whether they're on Shopify, Wix, Square, we integrate with that. When the orders come in, we actually pack them at our facility and ship them out. So you're we're not you're not doing shipping. You're doing shipping and fulfilling. Oh yeah, we're fulfillment. Yes, we're fulfilling. See, this is. I mean, the reason this is big is because you know, like like I'll tell you when um, when um, when we first started, it was like you know I had them and I was sitting there having to get the order and then print the order, go in, get the product, put it in the envelope, put the slip in it take it to the post office, mail a whole deal. No. Uh, and it was like, okay, well, dang, I forgot sometimes. And so, uh, so, so, and so, what, so what you're talking about is if Mustafa has a product, if Xavier had a product, if our other folks have products, so you're saying we have, a, we have a facility, a warehouse, all the goods are stored here. If you got books, whatever, you don't have to worry about that. Y'all handle it. We handle everything. Our, we're designed for the, the, the entrepreneur to be hands-off. So we have the product. The product can come straight from China to our facilities. When the orders come in, we actually pack them and ship them. We take care of the customer service piece. We take care of uh, insurance claims, returns. We're we take care of everything for the e-commerce business owners. Wow. And, you know, people just don't understand the value in that. The value of saving themselves. Oh my God! <laughs> I, 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 look, I, I can raise my hand, Mustafa. I don't know about you, but my my Lord, I if this if if to be able to say, yo, y'all got it, y'all got it. I'm just gonna see them promote it. Y'all take care of the rest of that stuff. Uh, that that that's I mean that is a major deal for a lot of small businesses who are not trying to go back and forth to the post office and go to gotta go buy envelopes and all that stuff. I think you're on mute. I can't hear you. What's up? Are you back? Can you hear me? Now we got you. Yeah, now we got you. Now oh. we got you. Uh, Mustafa, you got a question? Well, first of all, this, this is amazing having a one-stop shop. I remember all those products I used to have in my garage and trying to get it all moving and everything. You know, a question that many owners may have sometimes is, is there any uh, products that are too large or too small um, for your business, or do you handle everyone in between? Right now, we're not have, handling things that, that's too large because of space restrictions, uh, but we handle everything as small as jewelry pieces, and then we go all the way uh, to... I think our biggest product right now, we have grills for the front of cars. So I have a vendor, he does like Cadillac grills. And so that's the biggest that we're 
doing right now. But we house that uh, at our facility. Like I said, we take care of all of the packing and shipping needs. You know, when the pandemic happened, um, the e-commerce businesses grew over over 30%. You know, Shopify put out a report, which is the number one marketplace for e-commerce businesses, that they grew 86% from 2020 uh, into now. But 89% of those were Black-owned businesses mainly Black-owned women businesses. And so you have all of these individuals coming to the marketplace, but they don't actually know a lot about the packing and shipping piece. And so my background, I have 20 years of experience. I was a, a previous postmaster with the United States Postal Service, but I cut my teeth there. I started um, at the bottom and moved all the way up. And so I know all of the packing and shipping and the logistics piece. My husband brings in the transportation piece. And so that that's what we have at Ship Black. But really trying to provide a service and let our black community know that they have the same, they have the same abilities as their counterparts. You know, a lot of the other businesses are growing and scaling. And we wonder, why, how are they doing that? They're doing that because they're not working. They're not cutting their own yard. Okay, they're hiring somebody to do it for them. And so, you know, a lot of celebrities try to make fulfillment look glamorous. Like, oh, we got orders all over our living room. You're cutting your own yard. You're doing your own hair. You're being your own barber. You know, you're, you're handling these things that should be outsourced by experts. And you're trying to do it yourself. In order to scale, you need to turn that over and let a professional uh, company do it for you and handle things uh, that way. And especially getting into large uh, e-commerce uh, platforms like Target, uh, Ulta Beauty, different things, they want you to have a fulfillment center. They're not going to accept your product coming from your living room. You have to have a fulfillment center to be able to take care of certain capabilities. Uh, how do you get paid? Is it a percentage of the, the price of the product? How, how does that work? Yeah, we get we get paid for fulfillment. So we, fulfillment for each order going out. So we get paid for fulfillment and then storage. All right then. So if folks want to reach you, uh, how can they do so? They can reach us at shipblack.com. Follow us on Instagram, uh, shipblackco on all social media platforms. Uh, we're here to educate. We have something called Ship Black University, where if individuals don't want us to handle their products, we still can educate them on that shipping piece just to make sure that they are successful. All right, then. Well, look, we certainly appreciate it. Great job. Uh, and uh, trust me, a lot of small business owners uh, really would love to have uh, Black-owned fulfillment uh, operations. So we appreciate it. Tiffany Townsend, thanks a lot. Thank you so much, sir, for having me. Have a great night, guys. All right. Thank you so very much, folks. I'm going to end on this note. The founder and publisher of the pioneering Black Radio exclusive magazine, Sidney Miller, has died at the age of 89. A week after his birthday, Miller died at an Arlington, Virginia hospital from COVID complications. The one-time Capitol Records executive also was a former vice chairman of the Music Cares Board of Directors. In the 1980s, he launched the nationally syndicated radio show Hollywood Live, hosted by WBLS personality Frankie Crocker. Miller was honored at the NAACP Image Awards and sat on several boards, including the Evander Holyfield Foundation, the National Black Programmers Coalition, the New Orleans, Atlanta, and Washington, D.C. Music Commissions, and Push Rainbow Coalition. Again, Sidney Miller, there at the age of 89. All right, folks, that is it. I want to thank Mustafa and Xavier for joining me on today's panel. Thank you so very much. Uh, folks, I want to thank all of you for watching as well. Please support us in what we do. Uh, tell a friend, a family member, frat brother, sorority sister, uh, Mason, Link, uh, Eastern Star doesn't matter. Download our Black Star Network app. This is about us being able not to rely on other programs, other platforms, but to create our own 
um, all the platforms, we're on all the platforms, that's right, Apple TV, Android TV, Apple phone, Android phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV as well. And of course, if you want to join our Bring the, Fan, Bring the Funk Fan Club, every dollar you give goes to support this show. Folks, there are multiple ways for you to give. Cash App is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is RMartin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingatsmartin.com. Rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. Folks, that's it. I will see you guys tomorrow right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Always appreciate uh, those of you who watch and support what we do. We keep it real, keep it honest, keep it unapologetic, and we keep it unapologetically black and, of course, unfiltered because this is what how pros do it. Dan. Holla! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.